you know, way back in the day, this guy right here who's singing, Ian Asbury, lead singer of the British rock band The Cult, he had the coolest look. He had pirate shirts. He had earrings. He had these great, broad, piratey headbands. And I, I was a, I, I probably, I don't know, 15 years old the first time I ever saw him. And I was like, I am going to be that guy. Now, sadly, I was never as cool as Ian Asbury. But I did grow my hair out. I did buy pirate shirts. I bought some incredible pirate <laughs> boots in 1986 from Ragstock. And I did wear huge, hoopy, golding earrings every day of my young adult life until my daughter was born and started pulling them out. And I'm like, fuck that, man. There's, there are more important things than being cool and, like, having ears that are intact. Anyway, that's the cult to get things started on episode 304 of The Brian Oak Show. Oh, I'm Brian Oak, and across from me is my friend Sean. Sean, how are you, man? I'm doing well. The first proper CD I heard on a proper sound system really? was The Cult. My friend Jason Bredemus came for money. I did not. This is in high school. Understood. He had a wall of speakers yeah. in his room, and he's like, I want you to hear something. And it was The Cult love removal machine. Yeah, yeah. And he cranked that thing up. I literally almost started crying it was so incredible so, it was so incredible so the record i just played that song from yeah. is called love and that one was really a defining mm -hmm. sort of weird moment. but then after that they got bigger and better and smarter and stronger and put out electric with love removal yep. machine and they were a force to be reckoned with <laughs> i love everything about that goddamn band it is the brian oak show powered by smart start m and in fact here we are in south minneapolis 48th in chicago in the smart start mn studio is it last Lavish? By no means. Is it our own? It absolutely is. Yep. Perspective is everything, right, Sean? It like, absolutely this is. This doesn't need to be, like, we don't need to have capsule hotels. We don't need to have a wet bar over there. We've got our own space that we can do whatever the fuck we feel like with, right? That's what we like. And a big part of that is thanks to Smart Start MN. What do they do? Well, they're Minnesota's original ignition interlock company. They are not interlopers. They are not pretenders. They are one of us. They help work with the legislature to develop Minnesota's ignition interlock lock system a lot of other people have come in to try to cash in on some of that sweet sweet dwi money don't do that first of all don't drink and drive but if something goes awry if something goes amiss as it often does in these short weird complicated lives we lead please contact our friends at smart start m and in fact there are certain ways even though it's already ridiculously inexpensive compared to everything else that's going to cost you to have a dewey they do a really good job, and there's a way to save even more money. Absolutely. Just go to smartstartmn.com slash the Brian Oak Show. That'll get you 20% off the installation of the ignition interlock. I'm excited to talk to today's guest, who we've Me spoken too. with before, but he's involved in one of my favorite venues in mm -hmm. all of the upper Midwest, and it's my neck of the woods, it's my neighborhood, and I'm very, very excited to talk about the hook and ladder with Chris Mozina coming up in just a bit, but before we do that, I would like to hear from you briefly. I know you just went away on a vacation to a warm, sunny destination, and here we are, first couple days of spring in Minnesota, and it's lovely outside, it's it's pleasant. It's brilliant. How were things down in Arizona? Well, the number one thing, it was great to watch my boy play college baseball down in Tucson. Yeah. Uh, he absolutely loves this sport, uh, and he played well. He had a tough time at the plate because you're trying to hit an 88-mile-an-hour slider, which is not easy to do. And well, it was at every level, it gets more difficult, yeah, right? Like, I mean, yeah. like, even when you're a kid, like I played baseball for two years when I was very, very young. Yeah. And I sucked then. And so I can't imagine junior high, 
high school. Then you get to college, and here's where we start to separate the wheat from the chaff, right? Well, yeah, and here's the odd choice. So he's on the JV team right now until he makes it to the varsity team. There's 47 players on the team, and you're fighting for eight spots. Right. But they decided, the coaches decided, and hopefully they don't listen to the show, but they decided let's put this (laughs) D3 school from the Midwest that hasn't played a game since last September Let's put them up against a D2 school. Oh. So they put them up against a D2. We almost beat them. We lost 7-6. to six, But you put the JV team against the D2. Put the, D, you know the, but, the varsity team up against the D2. Here's D2's. the deal, man. I, I, I'm not a big fan yeah. of the whole moral victory thing. But knowing that you're going against better players and you're JV yeah. and still making a game out of it, that's the whole reason we yeah. play the games, right? He played awesome in the field and made zero errors the whole trip, and he was thrilled about that side of it. But the battle is with the batting always in at that level, it's there's pitching is better, everything else. But it was a great trip. Got to golf a few times. The best part How'd of you it. Do? You know, I'm going to be very, very quick on this, but I played one of the other dads who's very different politically than I am. Oh, dear. And uh, oh, he decided that, to talk. That makes for a long round. He decided to start talking politics in the third oh. hole, and he wouldn't, even though I asked many times, he wouldn't quit talking politics. And I finally yeah. said, okay, enough. But the good news is I beat him by probably 20 strokes, and I shot a 39 on the back of a very nice golf course. And I think part of it was that I just wanted to beat this guy. Suck it, Trump. (laughs) Suck it. Hey, I just said his politics were different. (laughs) Yeah, no, I know exactly what you meant. Oh, my Lord. It was so frustrating. Uh, Oh, but also it must have been delicious to beat him so soundly. Plus, I think his nickname is Foot Wedge because the guy took more (laughs) fucking... More times was he in the desert that suddenly his ball was back on the on the fairway again. It was unbelievable. You don't even have to know anything about golf for that to be funny. <laughs> oh, you and Foot Wedge out there down in the deserts of Arizona. Yep. That's one of my favorite things I've heard all week so far. It's nice to see your face again. You too, man. Hey, we need to talk to Chris Mozina coming yes. up here, so let's not take too much more time. But I do want to share this particular song. Um, I have another song that I had picked out. I've been really digging deep into the 80s lately, but apparently I dug too deep because Spotify has no idea of the band I was looking for called the humans out of la a song Mm. i live in the city that's going away so instead we're going to go with the sister act who are absolutely amazing they're called the secret sisters but they are not a secret and this is a song where they worked down at third man studios with jack white a few years ago he has this series of seven inch singles called the blue series that Anybody who comes by, John C. Riley has come by. Oh, my God. Insane Clown Posse has come by. All these wild, weird artists have come by. The rule is, though, you got to do a cover song. And here he works with them doing a cover of a Johnny Cash absolute classic on The Brian Oak Show.
Never, ever would I ever disrespect the name of Johnny Cash, but I'm going to tell you right now, there are certain cover songs that bring a song to the next level. The dual vocals of the Secret Sisters along with the guitar histrionics of fucking Jack White. It's one of my favorite cover songs of all time. I've never heard that version of it, and it was absolutely outstanding I, it, it, so it, good it's such a good americana song right oh. i mean like it's about johnny cash is talking about the greatest river in the country yeah. of america and how he followed the woman all the way down but those those people involved in that one right there <sighs> makes me feel the way i feel i uh, felt a couple times seeing certain live bands right like you go out to see a show and you're like i've heard this is pretty good and then you go and a lot of times like yeah it's pretty good you know or like oh i had fun i ran into some friends music was fine it was <laughs> cool and then every once in a while you get punched in the fucking nuts by <laughs> a band that you did not see coming and you know i mean like i've seen alan sparhawk as part of low, I don't know, probably a half dozen times when low is doing their thing. And that's a little down tempo. It's a little groovy. It's a little understated for me. And I knew that he was part of Retribution Gospel Choir, who I'd seen once. But I, I'd heard so much about Black Eyed Snakes. And I was like, well, I should probably go see him. And I'm not a deep blues guy. I didn't grow yeah. up with much blues in my house. And went. And when it gets real and primal and grinding, and when you suddenly realize, I, I kind of forgot where I was, and you've been watching a show for half an hour. That's when the magic of live fucking music happens. And luckily, Black Eyed Snakes are going to be part of the Roots Rock and Deep Blues Festival coming up at the Hook and Ladder in God, just a couple of weeks, man. That's just a couple of weeks away, Chris. Well, it's not 
<clears throat> exactly a festival in the true sense. We've kind of morphed the Roots Rock Deep Blues thing into kind of a presenting brand. Okay. So what you're going to see this year, the, you're right, this is a one of the kickoff shows to this spring-summer series. Right. Um, is probably eight or to ten events that are a mashup of, you know, gut bucket blues. Love it. More traditional stuff. Rock. Um, just an eclectic mix of stuff that you come to expect at the festival in smaller bite-sized pieces throughout the summer. Which is cool. I like see blues for me so like I came late to the blues party, right? And not like super late, but I did not grow up with other other than, you know, like ACDC or ZZ Top, you know, that that brand of blues right there. But growing into proper blues came much later in life for me and so watching bands work their way around it and bring something new to it because i'm going to be honest i'm much more of a southern delta blues guy than a northern blues guy that doesn't do a ton for me right (laughs) but i mean if if i see you know if i hear a john lee hooker song i'm in now am i going to put it on every day absolutely not you know what we've done we have foregone proper introductions and i will not have that on the brian oak show okay (laughs) this is episode 304 we have certain standards here chris mozina works with the hook and ladder what's your official title there chris uh the executive director all right very good and the hook and ladder is a non-profit music venue is that correct um, it is. We're we're operated by the Firehouse Performing Arts Center, which yep. FPAC is the parent nonprofit organization, but the DBA is the hook and ladder. And we've talked about this before, so we're not going to spend much time on it, but you were at Ground Zero when Minneapolis burned, and there were a lot of concerns about what that meant for the future of your venue. Would your venue continue to exist? Because there were certain things in the area that did not, and that's my neck of the woods. That's my neighborhood, man. I'm a southeast Minneapolis guy, and I have been for more than 35 five years now um that's where i call home and i'm glad that you survived i'm glad that you made it through and i'm glad that the vision continues i'm also glad because a lot of places didn't survive the pandemic right the pandemic was tough on everyone why do you think hook and ladder survived the pandemic um you know i'd be remiss not to mention the svog grant that okay. our mm-hmm. Senator Amy Klobuchar lobbied for and successfully so cool. ch- achieved for us. Mm-hmm. That lifeline well, I think that's saved an, most venues, that, that's if not an, all of them. That's an important answer right yeah. there because I don't think a lot of people understand. You know, you like, oh, my favorite bar closed down or, oh, this place I used to go throw axes at closed out whatever whatever the case may be you know like i mean like but music venues i know margins aren't super high and nobody's getting independently wealthy certainly not a non-profit place but staying alive uh, sorry that wasn't per- <laughs> look trust me i'm right there with you my good man um but i mean like they, it, it, it's not it, it wouldn't be uncommon to see a place vanish so that was the answer i was looking for so let's talk about the hook and ladder here we are we are in early spring 2023 and the number of giant shows that have been announced are going to make this market ticket poor very soon if they have not already mm-hmm. that being said there are a lot of people maybe they don't want to go see taylor swift correct or ed sheeran at correct. u.s bank stadium they want to go out and see the regular shows they go out and see at their neighborhood places i'm kind of mi- of a mix of the two but let's I, I would say that the market is fairly saturated right now would you say that's fair uh yeah you know um there's been sustained enthusiasm for gathering again in public exactly thankfully. um do people still wear masks when they come in or some, some do and some artists still request oh like like would prefer it yeah in fact uh we just hosted galen lee uh recently for yeah. a, a wonderful performance 
part of the uh, American Music Composers Forum conference that was in town. And um, everybody complied. It was easy. It's not that complicated. It's not again, that, I'm not real worked up about it anymore. It doesn't happen that often, but no. it happens. And, there was um, a time I was worked up about it, but now I'm like, if people don't want to wear it, that's fine. I don't wear mine most of the time. I so. don't either anymore, but we're all, you know, I'm fully vaccinated. To at this Yeah, yeah. So Me- what mega vaccine. I feel I feel but, comfortable. But as we look towards the spring, um there are no shortage of shows coming up. There are no shortage there's no shortage of enthusiasm as you mentioned, and that makes me happy because this has always been a good live music town. This has always been a place where people love to get out and do what they can to support what they want and what they love. But then also then it's incumbent upon you to make sure you're providing the stuff that people love. What are the challenges or what does it take for a nonprofit or modest-sized venue like Hook and Ladder compete for proper talent that might get offered more money elsewhere or might want to try for a bigger room? Is that a challenge? Well, of course. Uh, it's a very competitive field. You know, our focus is largely on Minnesota. That is uh, who we are as a nonprofit. Our mission in a nutshell is to create revenue-generating performance opportunities for Minnesota artists. Same. Now, now we're not yeah. exclusively Minnesota. Of course. You know, we, we have some touring acts. We have um, some legacy acts. We have some other uh, cultural productions and community events. And um, we don't approach the calendar uh, in the same way a for-profit venue does because we're mission-driven. Right. And our, our mission is not to generate revenue on every single show. Um, so that's unique. The other things, um, as a nonprofit, there's no sales tax on tickets. So right off the gate, there is a slight competitive advantage mm-hmm. for us. And because of our mission, we also, our, our revenue shares with the artists on ticket revenue is weighted heavily towards the artists, typically 80-20. Wow. So 80-20. Yeah, those things add up to making the hook and ladder uh, an attractive option compared to a slightly bigger room. In most cases, well, and let's let's be honest. The space itself is also deeply charming. You know, I, whether we're in the <laughs> main you. room, I mean, in all sincerity, whether we're in the main room in the back room, it's an incredible place to go and see a show as well. Well, and I think the other thing that you didn't mention earlier, um, it's nice that the club of Char money happened and that sort of thing. But you guys have a phenomenal staff of people and that volunteers work, that volunteer. work their tails off, and I know you work really, really hard, and. They're also at the same time pleasant, which I've been to enough venues and worked with enough venues on different things that you can tell when people are not real happy to be there. But people are, your staff is incredibly accommodating. They're not smug. There's not that mentality of we're cooler than you. Um, it's clear that they're cooler than me, by the way. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, but, welcome but, to the club yeah, exactly. on that one. But, but I mean, I mean it. There is something about that. And I think the musicians that you work with, have to got to feel that same thing like oh we're going to solve that for you and and I mean that like that's something that you may have to be humble about but as an observer of what you do I know that you guys work your tails off over there and that your staff must believe in the vision and the mission or it wouldn't it wouldn't work not only this that's absolutely true and I didn't mean to omit our hard No staff, I was just but, bringing it up yeah um <laughs> if any of them are listening they're very valued <laughs> pieces of their success um but we're a volunteer-run organization. Mm-hmm. We're uh, we're also an artist-driven organization. Mm-hmm. So the people volunteering tend to be artists. Yes. The people working there are also artists. Right. The people booking there are artists. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we're also an active member of our community. We, you mentioned earlier our our next door neighbor, the Third Precinct, which which was torched. We're coming up on the third anniversary of mm-hmm. that. 
In fact, there's going to be an article in Sunday's Star Tribune addressing this issue in which I'm, I believe, quoted in. Um, How were you? Uh, were you good? <laughs> I'm a little worried. Oh. I'm a little. I'm a lot worried. <laughs> it's an emotional subject. And yes. I did not hold Obviously. back. It's the first Obvi- time anybody asked my opinion from the paper on this subject. Really? Since the shit went well, down. but see, I and like I let them have it, and I'm good. I'm glad you yeah. didn't hold back because our city was on fire, man. And yeah. you're you literally across the street from our city being on fire. We were actually on fire too in two lo- in two spots. Really. Um, we have a great fire suppression system, thankfully. But Well, thank God. So, anyway, no. this Sunday in the Star Tribune, the third anniversary, we'll be talking about the third precinct going down in flames. Yeah. And yeah. you were saying. Well, let me, let me, so, um, a couple of things. So, this third anniversary, the fact that nothing's, I'm going to kind of show my political cards a little bit here, I guess. Um, there I is a, nothing you cannot say here. Okay. Unless well, you start saying, I hate me, people like this. I don't hate anybody. I know. I love I know, everybody. I but I I got to say, it really um, was disappointing to see a steady barrage of Fox News hosts and Republican candidates come and do their law and order stump speech campaign activity on the footsteps of that burned out eyesore Mm -hmm. next to the hook and ladder and hijack our community's narrative about Mm -hmm. what the hell happened here Uh and what's happening nationwide. And that, it's hard, I mean, I'm a little cynical at this point, but it's hard to (laughs) believe that um, that outcome couldn't have been foreseen. Um, you know, there's a message in the lack of activity regarding this system. And there's actually a community meeting being held at the Hook and Ladder on April 11th, organized by the Lake Street Council, to get community input on this very subject. And that timing is pretty exceptional because um, there's also an upcoming public art, kind of guerrilla style public projection art project scheduled um for for eight dates in april it's a collaborative effort between the hook and ladder and longfellow rising a community nonprofit. and we've engaged a couple of artists paul herwig a projectionist mm. and uh, queen drea uh, who kind of music directs this project it's about a 50 minute visual mm. uh projection project that with three projectors will encompass that third precinct mm. hopefully um jumpstart the imagination of our collective community about what that space could become, how it could be utilized in the future. Um, this sounds- and advance the conversation. So something can be done. Three years is a goddamn yes. embarrassment. Yes. It, you know, I I'm couldn't saying. agree more. So let yeah. me ask you this, Tim, because I feel like this might be the most important thing we talk about today. What is ground zero for people to get information? If they're like, Holy shit, there's a meeting, there's a projection art installation. Where do people, I mean, what is the number one place for people to go to stay on top of this? It's a great question. Um, I don't think there is such a one-stop shop for this kind of information. What what we've got is a long Lake Street corridor with different nodules of business and residential activity that were all negatively affected with the unrest. Mm -hmm. and. Uh, the Longfellow community, which the third precinct resides mm-hmm. in, um, has a very active and has Longfellow Rising and has a very active community, as you might imagine. Um, so we're a little more developed than maybe some of the other nodes up and down Lake Street and and better connected. So we're in the process now of Lake Street Council. Their website might be the 
best place to find out about these community actions and meetings. You said April 11th, yeah? Uh, I believe that's correct. It is. There are going to yeah. be people who are going to want to be there that maybe yeah. haven't heard this. I've never heard it was happening until this very it moment. It just got confirmed in the last okay. couple of days, and this is all in response to a an immediate timeline that was issued from the mayor's office as i understand it see so i hate we've it. all been waiting around for three years for a phone to ring yeah and all of a sudden we're jumping through hoops because they need an answer on something immediate. oh yeah i know i know we waited three years on this but if we could do this right now that'd be fantastic well if, and, if and that's mind. not even it it's the whole thing is kind of the, it's positioned with a weighted question which is how many uh, i believe this is true you know what percentage of the community wants this to be a police station again which leads me us to believe me to believe personally I'll speak for myself um, that they have a foregone conclusion of what they want that space to be again. Right. They want to reoccupy that space. Of course. And nothing could be more insulting or worse for our community, in my opinion. Chris Mozina, executive director, <laughs> of going down. The hook and no, 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 no. no listen, I, I, I'm, married, so I'm married to this Look, issue, man, and I don't. The, the last ten I'm minutes of what you had to say, don't walk it back by I'm any not. means. That's why this exists, because just like you said, you're mission driven, right? You're about this town that we live in. You are about a nonprofit place. You are about an artist friendly place. You are about promoting the things that you believe in. While I don't think that we're saving cancer babies on this show, I do think that we have a similar vision here mm-hmm. and on the Brian Oak Show. You know, Sean with his realty work devotes money on every buy and sell to a local artist. Mm-hmm. Um, we bring all the local artists we in we can promote everything shamelessly, promote their albums, their music, their shows, their visions. And I, I'm so glad you said that, that you may have to come back again on the next well, the, episode. And this show is art, and art is, in our opinion, the, uh, the hook is, you know the most effective mechanism to bring about change yeah and it's yes it is what we know and that's why we're doing that not legal counsel or grocery distribution today understood um and it's We've we talked a while, and we're going to talk more. I know we have to, we still have to cover the Under the Canopy series. I've got to down this plastic container full <laughs> of cotton candy, um, and we'll get to all that. But we've gone long enough without any music. You've gone with mixtape for the Milky Way. Tell me about it. Well, it's just it's ironic that we got moved into the, and I just drove through Thirty Eighth in Chicago on my way here, and ten blocks kinda, away from yeah. here. It's a very moving experience every yeah. time I take this route, and. Um, at any rate, this song um, came out during the pandemic in the wake of the unrest. Uh, it's by Jeremy Messersmith, who um, is performing at Under the Canopy this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, there are st- some tickets left, um, but he's a fantastic songwriter. Uh, this particular song is kind of one of these uh, orphan tracks, if you will, came out on this little side project that I don't know that's actually really performed live, and we've kind of tried to see if we can help make that happen but it's a great um i think you'll appreciate it as a realtor yeah and uh and uh, as it relates to the sentiment you and i were just discussing regarding um uh what happened three years ago it's a, a nice poignant commentary on a quiet cul-de-sac Picket fences, welcome mats There's a perfect model home Where I spend my days alone Singing What a neighborhood What a neighborhood No sidewalks 
That was fantastic. Yeah. I've not really heard him use drums and percussion at that big a level before. Obviously, there's plenty of songs throughout his career where there sure. is a full band orchestration. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, that was almost a dance floor banger right uh-huh. there from Jeremy Messersmith. He's, he's, he's quite the artist in my estimation. And yeah. He's got a very interesting history and background and lens through which he views and interprets the world around him. And, you know, and it's somehow still kind to everyone he talks to. Oh, yeah. I got to see him in a... The very first time I saw him live was in a backyard show. Somebody just did mm-hmm. one of those th- things where they sold backyard tickets. It was down south of the city someplace. He could not have been kinder or more yeah. accommodating. And I'm always impressed with these people that move from another place to Minneapolis and then never leave, and that's Jeremy Messersmith. He loves it here. Yeah, and and there's something about that level of accessibility with artists. I mean, mm-hmm. one of the greatest things that come out of the pandemic is a better, more personal relationship opportunity. You know, Tommy Stinson doing the Cowboys and the Campfires yeah. playing somebody's house in Cedar Falls this weekend. Right. That's uh, crazy. Where I went to school. Yeah, Tom, yeah, yeah. Tommy you and I. Stinson, by the way. College of love. <clears throat> oh. <laughs> so, I mean, these kinds of backyard shows have been happening, yeah. but they're becoming more popular with bigger artists. And it's not about the money. It's about the connection, I think. Yep. And it's the mo- the biofeedback loop. Man. That's the whole reason that we oh, all yeah. do this, right? Yeah. Chris Mozina of Hook and Ladder is our guest. Before we continue with him, we do have to talk to another person in the room right now, Sean Bernard. As Chris brought up very 
appropriately and almost like we asked him to do it or you slipped him a tenner. Um, <laughs> you're also a realtor for Edina Realty, the 50th yes. in France location. And we all feel spring coming, right? It still gets cold overnight. When I get up in the in the morning and I'm out in my car at 430, it's still 25 degrees. But then in the daytime, it's getting to be 40, 42, 45, 48. Spring has actually sprung and it's going to be here before we know it. Is winter over? Only a fool would believe that. That being said, it's time to get your head in the spring mode. And that means something different in realty, doesn't it? Yeah. And there's people that I think that they're, they've been ready to move for a couple of years and they're kind of finally saying, okay, we know that the rates are a little bit higher than they were a year or two ago, but those were historically low rates. I try to remind people like of that. Like literally historically yes. low. Like, I mean, we're talking yeah. like, so rates are at, like, give me a vague, at what, five and a half, six? They're like five and a half right now. Okay, they're, fine. So, you know, the, just because the federal interest rate goes up, by the way, doesn't necessarily mean that cor- uh, correlates to mortgage rates, but people always think it does. But it's important yeah. to remember, like, what, back in the 70s, rates, like, nudged 20% at one uh, point? The 80s and, and 70s, there was a point where it was... 12 to 16 on average. All right. Yeah. And that's not okay either. I'm not suggesting that. Of course it's not okay, but it's important to remember that even if we're not at historic lows, it doesn't mean you should be afraid to buy or sell your home. You're going to make a good deal of money because we're still way short on inventory on the sell side. On the buy side, yes, you'll have to pay a higher interest, but that's probably over 30 years. And I can't promise this, but you're probably going to be able to refi that rate down like we did after we bought our first house in 98. You and me? Yeah. Um, we had that one little cottage. Oh, I loved it there. It was great. Like it was only one bedroom, but we had the bunk beds. No, we had a great time in Vermont. We knit each other sweaters. It was fantastic. Anyway, you were saying sisters. Okay, come on, come on. (laughs) So, so, do you remember that movie, White Christmas? It was White Christmas. It was White Christmas. (laughs) It was White Christmas. Yeah. Is that the same one where it's like, um, (laughs) Good morning, Good morning. We talked the whole night through. It might be, but I don't know. Anyway, Anyway, what were we talking about again? Real estate. So if you're if you know someone that's looking to buy or sell, six one two eight five nine two five nine four. And I do donate a portion of every buy and sell to a local artist or musician. Here's my thing on the Twin Cities. It, it feels like there's about a thousand people here. Right. Really, there's three point two million. Yep. And that's how I look at it. Everybody's got their place in the community. We have places like Hook and Ladder that are phenomenal life-giving music venues and that's what they do for me yeah and so how do i give back to those musicians and artists and people like that and support them um and that's what i try to do it's it's not a million dollars that i've been able to donate but it has been thousands and thousands of dollars now which i'm proud of so 612-859-2594 call that number and let's push that number into the millions (laughs) the hook and ladder i'm gonna be honest like as you get older i don't know about you two but i got lazier and i get up early like really early every day so i've become extremely picky about what i go out to see live when i'm even going to socialize with dear friends i have to get up at 4 a.m you know it's it's not happening so having a great venue because let's be honest southeast could use a couple more venues i'm not trying to encourage any competition for the hook and ladder chris (laughs) but what i'm saying is having lived there as long as i have the hook and ladder is a welcome addition yeah i can go watch someone do their acoustic stand-up night at you know a local brewery or something the hook and ladder is a proper venue right and so i've seen so many good shows there's over the years and again so i guess my point was i'm selfish i'm lazy i'm old i'm tired and i love having a place like the hook and ladder in my neck of the woods and i think that you and your staff do incredibly good work well thank you 
Yeah. Um, that's very, uh, but, very glowing reviews here today. Well, I appreciate it. Well, that because I'm not a sponsor. No, <laughs> I know. Not yet. You're yeah. not. Uh, we, we just heard, We're locking that door until exactly. somebody makes a decision. Oh, <laughs> can we talk about to you about timeshares? Can we talk to you about timeshares? Or gold coins. Oh, oh too soon. Too soon. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I'm actually having so much more fun now than I expected <laughs> to. Not that I thought it would be bad, but yeah. this is delightful. Jeremy Messersmith, who we just heard, everyone we've all acknowledged that he's great, and we've all kind of kissed his ring here. But he is also <laughs> going to be, well, we have, but also you have to earn that, right? We don't say things like that if mm. somebody's not worthy of the praise, but he is part of your Under the Canopy series, which happens throughout the entire summer at the Hook and Ladder, located right there on Lake Street in Minnehaha. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay, and yeah. but so the canopy is the sort of big outdoor area slash mm-hmm. parking lot as opposed to inside what's the when you know when you sit down and you start to plan a summer and you start to think all right we got to do this we got to do that do you look at other major events happening or and try to plan around them or do you just like nope this is when we're doing our stuff and and just sort of plow ahead and make it happen yeah uh the latter we we are con- conscious and cognizant of the other activities going on but we've we're, we're, we'll be seven years in May. Yeah. We're just coming up on a seventh anniversary. And, um, you know, we inherited the Roots Rock Festival, which we talked about earlier, has kind of evolved into a presenting brand. Right. Um, but we've, in the interim, you know, there's been a lot, everything's been fluid. And something that's uh, kind of erupted in the festival lineup for us is Juneteenth, which just became mm-hmm. a new national holiday yep. a year or so ago. And last year was our first formal big recognition of that it fell on a weekend but it was a wonderful event thousand plus people came through Mm. artists market uh, just food everything you want in a in a festival yeah and uh this year um that's going to expand and move up the block there's going to be other participating businesses and locations do you mean move up minnehaha or move up lake street it's going to move up minnehaha this year uh, include um arbiter and uh, moon palace books who were doing things independently last year. We're just kind of putting it under the umbrella yeah. with the future goal of moving this out into the street, shutting down Minnehaha and opening up a 5,000 plus person uh, true community celebration of, of what this holiday represents. How do you still stay hungry for all this stuff? And I'm not talking about Juneteenth. I understand where you can be inspired by that. Yeah. But as we and we're just all, helping. It's a, there's I, a, I understand, yeah. I understand wholeheartedly. Yeah. I'm not saying that you get to take credit for <laughs> Juneteenth. But what I am saying is when, we, when it comes to new ways to innovate your concerts or your festivals or to expand in the community or to still be a bigger part still, I worked in the nonprofit community for six years, and I'm going to be honest, it was fucking exhausting, all right? It was worthwhile. The reward was amazing, but it was exhausting. And so I guess I'm asking you as a person, Chris, uh, where, where does it come from? Like, why does it still matter so much to you? Um, that's, a, that's an interesting question. Um, and I'm coming up on a seven-year itch. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, but that's why we, I asked. Yeah, I we did it for six new, and a half years, yeah, and find, I burnt out, man. I flamed out. I said, "No, thanks, man. I'm done working for the environment. I'm going to go work in radio." I mean, I feel the same way about people <laughs> that work in home health care or dealing with children or mental right. illness or, right. mm-hmm. or, or end of life care. Um, 
they burn out too. Uh, I'm, 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 we're putting on concerts and parties, man. But it's still, it's still, it's still <laughs> I mean, an it's, important yeah. part of the it, human experience, it is. man. It, and again, yeah. just like I said, here, Sean and I are not, we're not curing cancer babies, right? That's right. not what we're doing here. But we feel like being a voice or a part of this community matters. And but it is work, right? And it, it, is it, it requires work. dedication. It, um, you know, and I. You can't make people care. I think you you demonstrate by doing. Yeah. And the thing that motivates me is, um, I guess, be outside of the performance aspect of you know that couple hours on stage at night, which I'm often inspired by. Um, volunteers. Um, you know, last night we had a board meeting. Six people gave up their Wednesday night oh. with family and friends and what other responsibilities and commitments they had to come and sit and plan future strategy session which in which they're going to give up a saturday yeah to get together and figure out how what we're going to how you know what's what's the path for us what's the impact for the next three to five years well and i think anybody who volunteers or does any kind of work in any regard packing foods for you know packing food for families who don't have enough food doing what you're talking about last night virtually anything you know going to visit the elderly in your area the reward is in the act itself, right? And so there, there is, it is again kind of like the feedback loop of live music and fan. Mm-hmm. There is a they both are giving, both are receiving. It's it's pretty wonderful. Before we talk any more, we've gone too long once again without music. And here you've chosen an old school Athens, Georgia band that I learned about because I was such a huge REM dork um, that I saw. Um, so before. Seattle was Seattle, Minneapolis was Minneapolis, and right before Minneapolis was Minneapolis, Athens, Georgia was Athens, Georgia. And there's this incredible documentary called Inside Out that looks at bands like the Kilkenny Cats, Mm -hmm. R.E.M., Pylon, and of course this band right here where Dexter Romweber came out of. But the Flat Duo Jets are not a band I hear anybody talk about, so when you said, let's play Flat Duo Jets, I'm like, fuck yes, we're playing Flat (laughs) Duo Jets. I'm glad you uh, recognize that Oh, very much. Um, Dex and his duo and the uh, Flat Duo uh, incarnations um, were precursors to a lot of that deep blues resurgence, and He's coming this summer to Under the Canopy. Okay, so, and we'll talk, I promise, yeah. on the other side, is we'll talk a little more Under the Canopy, as well so as very Yummy excited. Life, because yeah. mm, it's also very colorful. I don't, I can't imagine a child would ever get into something like this. Anyway. <laughs> not, with um, that, not with that seal. No, that's probably true. But, so, he's coming back this summer as part of Under the Canopy? Yeah. Outdoor yeah. shows at Hook and Ladder. Yes, he is. Uh, it's part of a, a larger multi-band bill I'll tell you all about. All right, we'll talk about that next. But in the meantime, how about a little flat duo Jets, Crazy Hazy Kisses on The Brian Oak Show. I ain't disgusting in my private life. That's just what turns you mothers on. <laughs> Baby, 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 
so you're telling me we're going to get that kind of rockabilly meets rock and roll meets soul madness at some point under the canopy this summer? I do believe that is uh, the truth. Yes. <laughs> okay. As I understand. I'm looking up right now to see exactly what um, that entire bill consists of. It's a multi-band bill. It's Tell you what, while you look that up, I have something I have to hit real quick here, and then we're going to talk more about the Under the Canopy series at the Hook and Ladder over the summer, as well as Yummy Life. Um, but first, before we get into any controversial topics, let's go ahead and say thank you uh, to our latest sponsor, Moxie Wealth Management. Yeah, Moxie Wealth Management. If you're somebody that, well, I think there's a lot of us uh, that don't know exactly where we stand uh, for our retirement someday. Uh, I know I've talked to like some of my peers. What if they're like, yeah, I mean, I really haven't looked at anything recently. You know, for me, for instance, I'm 54, haven't really given it much of a thought. And now might be the time to start moving. Well, and things change, you know, and I won't mention the name, but a friend of ours uh, lost his dad and and got some inheritance money. Well, what do you do with that? Um, There's things you can do that have major tax liabilities and there's other things where you can do some tax deferred things and those are things that people our age are dealing with right now yep the great thing about moxie number one joe burgesson joe is a big music fan so yep. you know we are we are all music adjacent which is great really down to earth good guy and he's brought his family to our last couple of patreon he has, events yeah. and like extended family everyone in his family has that same smile i'm not sure what the joy gene is yeah. in that crew but everybody was like pleasant and nice and kind and interesting and smart it was yeah it they was were weird really cool and so yeah. the, the nice thing is you don't have to go to six different places they actually have a tax guy they've got different people that have different specialty all under one Roof yep. uh, at Moxie Wealth Look, Management. There's so much to think about, right? Like insurance yes. and taxes and yes. all yep. the vagaries, that the things that make me wish I could be asleep and having a nap right now. Exactly right. So get a hold of them at MoxieWealthManagement.com. Chris Mozina, Executive Director from the Hook and Ladder, the Under the Canopy series. Now, you'll continue to have shows in the main room and the mission room, but the Under the Canopy series is, I guess, kind of designed to take advantage of this very, very brief window we're going to get to be outside wearing tank tops, seeing live music outside, right? Yeah, I mean, it started in uh, response to COVID with a, you know, pod seating shit. I think we held 160 people Mm -hmm. the first year, and now we're doing, you know, 300 plus, 500 on on big dance party takeover events. Wow, right on. Um, So there's um, a lot of interest, and... um, Turns out not a lot of places you can go see live music outside in the heart of a city. Not in an urban environment, no, absolutely. it's just not that common, right. and we're blessed with a parking lot that um, that we, you know, saw fit to, to fence in and, and put an, erect a canopy and make this a, a possibility. And the response initially, you know, was one of, uh, you know, pent-up anxiety of people being in the house for a year and a half. <laughs> right. And so those shows all sold out quickly and allowed us to survive in addition to the grant we talked about earlier. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but also, um, you know, we've now evolved into the seasonal type of programming where we're May through October outside essentially which is genius by the way because i mean let's be honest we all like to be in that when you're in that tight dark packed room and the the critical mass is right 
it feels there, there's a certain there's an electricity right yeah, there's a kinetic sure. sort of but also being outdoors and breathing and being able to walk away and for me as a smoker going to have a cigarette coming back over the beautiful blue skies above us i don't love the hot weather but you know a nice summer balmy evening i'll come out and see a show so things kick off early may right for this yeah may 4th and that's maria isa who by the way the for the very first time i saw her entirely accidentally oh my god 10 years ago as part of the mosaic festival they used to have downtown minneapolis i walked by the stage and i'd never heard of maria isa in my life and i stood there for the next 40 minutes because she was spectacularly good yeah she's great and she's um she's performing at the kickoff event which is also um the the seward longfellow neighborhood restorative justice fundraiser Oh, in fact, our first three events this season are all kind of community focused. The first event, the one you just talked about, Maria Issa, uh, is part of Seward uh, Longfellow Restorative Justice. Yeah. The following night is KFAI Radio's 45th anniversary. How are they event. 45 already? That makes Grandpa feel very <laughs> old. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> they are. <laughs> yeah. So this going to be. But a- they do a great job, and you know, I. I these are the kinds of things that I think why it's important to be part of a nonprofit, right? Like you don't have to devote your entire life to it like you have, but for other people, like you need to work with people who care more about what they're doing than what it might get them. Right. And I know a lot of people have worked at KFAI on and off over the years and they do that there. I, I like, I like, I don't love every single block of programming, but I do like the fact that they exist and I'm glad they're here. I'm with you a hundred percent. Yeah. So anyway, that's the second night. Then the third night, the 10 years of Mactier. Is that right? Yeah. And Mactier, if you're not familiar, is an Irish dance school academy hmm. just a few blocks south of us on Minnehaha. So okay. neighbors of ours um, celebrating a 10 year anniversary. Um, a lot of young Irish dance troops participating, a lot of parental and community support. Um it's one of our fastest selling shows of the 40 we just launched. Yeah, I, well, that's so cool. And so you said those first three shows, they're all working to raise money for the community. Yeah, right? they're all kind of immediate community focused yeah. events and, and also concerts and also fundraisers. And, you know, the, our footprint allows for a lot of different kind of activity in a given event. And yeah. people have figured out over the last year and a half how to utilize this space most effectively. I'm looking a couple days before my birthday this spring. Cornbread Harris is having his ninety oh sixth birthday party. We've had him in this very room yeah. before. Ninety sixth birthday extravaganza, and it's weird, man. You wander down to Palmer's on a rare night, or just uh, rando, and you're like, "Who's that guy playing piano?" And it's fucking Cornbread <laughs> Harris, man. Yeah. He's actually hosting, uh, or uh, I don't know exactly how you phrase it, but he's there every Sunday. They call it going, yeah. going to church. With well, I, I, but, so before he started doing that, I just remember one time I went down to see Tony Zaccardi, the proprietor, mm-hmm. yeah. just to say hi, check in with him. Mm-hmm. And um, and all of a sudden I looked over, I'm like, you're standing, the sun is still up, right? And there's a guy over there playing piano and it's just Cornbread Harris. But you have a cool range of events. Sadly, I'll be out of town on my birthday. The Cornbread but, one's actually a typo. What's, oh, that's not happening? Well, it's happening. He's actually turning 97. Oh, 97, 97. Yeah, he, okay. he corrected me at a photo shoot. You know, it's, so I, I, I have the, I have the pleasure of working with cornbread. In fact, the last time I was in here, I was with cornbread. Yeah. You guys. yeah. Um, cornbread just came to the hook and had a photo shoot done last week. Um, I think it was in conjunction with Mia, if I'm not mistaken. And 
he's going to appear with a couple of other iconic Minnesota artists on a series of billboards throughout the city, digital billboards starting in June. Wow. Yeah. Is he keeping the shirt on in this one? Um, shirt and long underwear. <laughs> and when, nice. I was, union suit. He's like, get my fucking age right. I'm 97, <laughs> bitch. Yeah. But I mean, like you, the, the, like you talked about the array of events you have, the the wide spanning, not only genres but different types of events that your space is equipped to carry. Like you've got the Girl Scout May Queer Dance Party coming mm-hmm. up on my birthday. Unfortunately, oh, really? I'll be out of town now. Wow. I'm square and I'm not much of a dancer. My knees let me down years ago. But that's the kind of event where you're going to see so much joy and so much amazing and so many amazing things. And I'm just, I'm taking a look right now at Hook and our, the hookminneapolis.com at all the stuff that's part of Under the Canopy. And it looks like it's going to be fantastic. And it kicks off in early May. So. Yeah, it's coming soon. And, um, you know, I'm happy to report that we've reserved the canopy. We've got the sound, the extra sound gear. The stage is ready to be set up. Like all the pieces, this being our third year, we've kind of figured it out a little bit. Um, what we need in order to execute this thing. And right. we got all the pieces kind of lined up and ready to go. Well, so that's fabulous. we're actually, you know, promoting and producing shows inside right up to May 3rd, which I think is the date of the, I can't remember. It's a which great now? show. Um, I got Thursday, May 4th for Maria Issa. Um, the 3rd is not part of the Under the Canopy. I think it's the goddamn gallows, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know. And Hank I, Williams. I don't, I don't know why fourth. we have to use rough language. Yeah, jeez, man. Come on. This is a family. Just, uh, <laughs> not at all. I don't, I don't know I don't about know the swearing part of that. Fuck me, I guess. <laughs> I mean, all right, Chris, we got to wrap things up. You know, we generally don't go past an hour because even though this is fascinating, what do the metrics tell us? Nobody listens past 45 minutes, right? Most people tune out after 45 minutes. When I start swearing. Well, then yeah. they, exactly, because they're like, you know Mozina, man. He's going to start shooting his mouth good, off. Good for about 42 minutes. <laughs> Anytime now. Before we go, you brought in some special promotional products today. Now, I quit the drinking. Sean quit the drinking. That being said, I'm not against the California recovery plan, as mm. they called it mm-hmm. when I was in treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, and here we are living in a day and age in Minnesota where weed is technically legal. You can't have flour. You can't have baked goods. But you can infuse a wide variety of items with actual Delta 9 THC. Correct. And so the most popular one I've seen lately have been entirely non-alcoholic beverages. They're basically a seltzer water that's got four to five milligrams in them. Um, I've seen them up to actually have a a 12-ounce can that's from out of state, mind you, that isn't a product (laughs) available here yet. That's 100 milligrams. Okay, see, that's too much. Well, of course it is. But if you you drank the the whole can, if you didn't know, and you drank that whole can... You're going to the hospital. You're going to sleep for sure. Yeah, um, that's for damn sure. But they range anywhere from 2.5 to 12, at least the ones that I'm familiar, personally familiar with that we, right. that we carry at the hook and ladder. All right. And so you have these at the hook. So here's the thing, though. Edibles, Since last I, August. I'm, I'm assuming the drinking along like edi- with edibles, it takes a little while, right? I mean, like to kind of settle in and figure out where you're at? Not really. It's actually the opposite. Um, smoke, what? As I understand it. <laughs> Smoking hits you relatively quickly. Yeah, very. Um, From what I've read in books. Yeah. And this is a water-soluble THC, so it also hits you very quickly. Now, it's metabolized differently Mm -hmm. and has a different impact on you, but but it's quick-acting, and it also exits the system pretty quickly. Okay, very good. Well, unlike um, alcohol, which will accumulate in the system and make you unsafe to drive and a smart start yeah. customer. Well, exactly. And nobody wants that at all. Kids, stay in school. <laughs> don't do drugs. 
avoid drinking or at least do it responsibly. But like one of these, if I was going home for the night, like, oh, I don't know, let's say today was Thursday and I was <laughs> had nothing to do after this podcast, I might go home and have one of those. Good night. Probably crack one right now. Tell me, nope, nope, nope. I want to get home first. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. I've yeah, made enough. Was, I, responsible. I don't know if you're I've on made a bike. An, I've made enough bad choices in my life already. Uh, we're about to let you go, but tell me about Yummy Life first. So, yeah, let me take off my altruistic nonprofit hat and put on my mercenary capitalist Let's hat. Let's do it, man. Let's make some uh, money. Let's so, do this. Uh, as, you, as you pointed out, the last year, the Minnesota legislature passed um, edible options of low-grade or low milligram THC doses, mm-hmm. um, and they've manifested in a wide variety of gummies and drinks predominantly. Right. Um, my friend and I, Jesse, have uh, started a little company um, called no- um, Out of Noble Presents, which is a concert marketing and promotion company called mm-hmm. Yummy Life. Yummy Life is kind of the intersection of, of music and cannabis culture in Minnesota. Um, so... Due to our relationship with a lot of venues through Noble, Yummy Life products are becoming available behind the bar at a lot of music venues. Okay. Um, they are gummy bears and I are, are gummy products. And I also brought you today a brand new one, which is um, two flavors of cotton candy. I feel like this is an important moment right here. This mm-hmm. is a teaching moment, especially for me, because I've never been afraid of weed. When I was young, I was smoking all day, every day. And then I got older, and you have a kid, and I start getting up at 4 in the morning, and it's just, it's not tenable to my lifestyle, right? So mm-hmm. it becomes more of an occasional treat, that sort of thing. So A, I love the fact that all these 5 milligram gummies are available all the time because I'm never soaring. I don't feel like I'm Jimi Hendrix. With you know, on riding a Pegasus, I just I I feel like, oh, my shoulders feel better and I can breathe a little bit and I'm never roasted, mm-hmm. but I feel good. Now here's what I so I've seen the gummies, I've seen the drinks, I've seen the the pens, all of it. I have never seen THC infused cotton candy. And I'm holding some in my hand right now. Compliments yeah. of Yummy Life. I mean, this that, is definitely a TV product. They're kind of neon colors. Mm-hmm. They look as good as they taste. You know, once you get accused of appealing to kids, you're going to jail, right? You <laughs> well, know that. We're going to do everything in our power to make sure kids never Please. touch yeah. these products. Especially they may by, well be packaged in black can't, containers you can't see in the future, depending on the ultimate regulation. Right. But, I mean, this one does say in large, bright, bold letters, bubblegum cherry, and it's pink. Yes. Yes. But it's trying to bring you back to your childhood as an adult. I see. Yeah, I see. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's 15 yeah. flavors of this product. <laughs> For they, real? They run the gamut. None of them are mocha or chardonnay. Um, Thank you all, very they're much. They're all fruits and, you know. Yeah. See, research I, has been done for I'm so, like, but here's millennia before we came along you on what people sit, like to eat. You wouldn't with. sit down and eat the whole wad of cotton candy, right? This is like uh, something to share, something yeah. to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. These are, it's like a pitcher of beer. Okay. You don't want to be that guy. <laughs> don't hide it, divide it is what you're saying? Don't hide it, divide <laughs> it. That's exactly... Uh... The only time I ever drank a whole pitcher <laughs> of beer, and I don't think I've ever said this before on the podcast... I was at a leg auction at my friend's fraternity's weekend Blue Hawaii party. Okay. Is this a Me Too moment? <laughs> yeah, no. I, no I wow. Just, I expected someone to walk through the door right there and be like, all right, you finally owned up to it, bitch. Yeah. Because, yeah, no, that was... Um, I thought it was a prosthetic thing that you were... I did have a whole <laughs> pitcher of beer that day. Uh, so these right here, well, by the way, your drinks, how, how much... 
Five so, milligrams? Yeah, those are five milligrams. I just brought those in for your green room, for future guests, or for you to take home and try, you and Sean. Um, the the yummy life, we're not we're not messing with beverages. We okay. like we like products that oh, are right, all right. have a sense of humor. Yeah. Um <laughs> are, fit in your pocket. Uh can be shared. Um I not, like that, it. not that some beverages don't share those qualities, but but, the, uh, but that all seems very THC adjacent, right? I mean, like the sharing bit, like have you ever not been like I'm just going to pass this joint over there and see what no. those guys want. Or again, going back to the old days, obviously we don't condone that here on the Brian Oak Show, nor do any of our sponsors or our parent company. But we might um, in the future. It's possible. <laughs> um, but I just, I mean, like that is. See, to me, that that seems very on brand. It should be fun. It should be interesting. Mm-hmm. It should be shareable. I think that's cool. You know, and it, it it's designed to elevate. It's 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 uh, this brand is a lifestyle brand. It's got a sense of humor. Um, it's not getting caught up in wellness. It's, um, you know, the approach is be responsible, enjoy a small amount, and um, recreational. Know, it's, yeah, exactly. Also, like don't be a dick, right? Exactly. Dick. We got to go. I want to slogan. I want. I want to thank Audio Quiz. <laughs> I want to thank don't all, be a dick. all of our Patreon supporters. <laughs> this could help. I want to thank Sean Bernard. <laughs> I want to thank Smart Start MN, and I want to thank Moxie Wealth Management. Uh, and thank you very much, Chris. It's always good to talk to you. What is Ground Zero for everything going on at the Hook and Ladder? Uh, the Hook, MPLS dot com. All right, very good. I hope you have a fantastic season. I imagine that I'll see you more than a handful of times this year. I hope so, and thank you for the opportunity to talk about uh, all the wonderful work and uh, these great Minnesota artists. We're excited. Thanks for all you do, Chris, and your staff over there. Thank you. Appreciate it.
Joe Burgess is a registered representative and investment advisor representative of Securian Financial Services Incorporated. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Securian Financial Services uh, Incorporated. Member FINRA SIPC North Star Resource Group is an independently owned and operated. Moxie is affiliated with North Star Resource Group and is independently owned and operated. 2701 University Avenue Southeast, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55414.